Hey guys, welcome to Bang Boardcast, episode number 449. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we are looking forward to coming out July 14th, 2021. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're doing a little bit of a trade and policy review after we had read Checkmate number one last episode for our June look back, we're actually going to be talking about the series that led up to it with Event Leviathan by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malev. Yeah. I don't know if you could hear it outside my window, but the ice cream man was actually coming down my street for the first time ever. Wow. Is that why, Crazy. Is that why you ran away with your pants down? <laughs> yes. I was looking for my money and I dug my hand in too deep into my pockets and where my you, pants fell right keep, off. Where do you keep your wallet? <laughs> In my pants pocket. <laughs> and then when I reached in to grab it, I, I it was too enthusiastic. So it pulled my pants right. Oh, you down. don't have to you don't have to show us. You can pull your pants back up. <laughs> well I wanted to sh- you seemed confused and needed a visual explanation. It seemed like you're a visual learner. Uh, I mean there's no need for you to be helicoptering it right now. So. <laughs> but you know, when when I get a couple drinks in me, I get crazy like this, Chris. And and when I get crazy, Speaking I need to drink more. And you need to uh, escape from the cops. <laughs> you know, and hopefully you guys are drinking as well. And so I'm very interested in, in uh, hearing what, John, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking from Community Beer Works, uh, local brewery. They put out a four-pack not too long ago, um, which had two different beers in it. They had the Prince Larry, which is a Kolsch. And King Larry, which I'll be drinking after this, which is an Imperial Cream Ale. And these are both versions of their Larry. Um, Amazing Larry? Awesome. Awesome Larry. Amazing Larry, which is their regular cream ale that they've been serving at the brewery since, uh, I think, pretty much towards the beginning of the brewery. Um and this is a really nice Kolsch. It's got a nice kind of malt character. It's got a little more body to it than a normal kind of Kolsch that can be on the thin side. Um, this is actually really nice for, I think it's fourteen ninety nine for the two beers. You get a like a 4.2 Kolsch and an 8.8 uh, Imperial Cream. Like kind of a nice small drinker with a big drinker, you know? Yeah. yeah, I enjoy it. I, I so far I'm enjoying the the Prince Larry, and I'm looking forward to trying the King Larry. Ooh. Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, when I went to my beer store today, I was looking for something that would be like a sampler pack, and I actually picked up the New Belgium Brewing Company's Voodoo Ranger Hoppy Pack. Uh, it's got four different IPAs in it. Only one of them I've had previously, so I figured this would be something good to. To have for the show, just because it's new to me beers, uh, and worst case scenario, it's just fridge filler for the rest of the month, because um, it's just starting off with the regular Voodoo Ranger IPA. It's it's just a nice drinking IPA. Like there's really nothing to stand out about it. Um, if you've had a new Belgian beer, like it's probably going to be this one or Fat Tire. Um, yeah. I, I don't have a lot to say about it, unfortunately. It's just, it's a good IPA. Paul, what are you drinking? Well, earlier today, uh, 
during the summer resurgence. They started this last year, near the tail end of the summer last year. But they want to uh, encourage people to go out and uh, visit our parks here in western New York. So they're, they're doing Pints in the Park, uh, where they bring out the resurgence uh, beer truck and offer about eight different uh, beers on tap. And then, you know, they have a couple cans of stuff as well. Uh, even they sell cut water. They sell the cut water um, seltzer waters uh, there as well. Uh, and they also bring out local bands, you know, performers to, you know, sing. And it's between like noon and five, noon and six maybe uh, at, at the local park. So Kate and I, we went to Chestnut Ridge and you know, play, I played some disc golf. Kate went for the nice hike and we both got a beer. Uh, we actually got two beers apiece, but we got the same thing twice. Uh, I got their Sitmo IPA, which is they're pretty standard IPA, but, you know, has a nice citrusy hop to it, 6.5%. And it was just really enjoyable today. After playing around round of disc golf, we were swinging on the, the swinging chairs there on the top of the hill at Chestnut Ridge, looking out uh, at the stage of the performer and looking out at, the, you know, the skyline of Buffalo uh, quite a while away. But it was kind of like one of those just very nice really relaxing kind of uh moments you know uh it didn't get too too crowded there i would say maybe 150 people were there all set up on lawn chairs and stuff it was a good time um we were there for that whole set and probably an hour and a half uh just listening to music we had two beers piece i might talk about the second beer later depending on how many beers we get through today so but yeah sitmo ipa uh is it the best ipa no but if you're you know, around and, you know, you don't have anything to do on a Saturday and you see that the resurgence truck is going to be at a park near you. It's definitely worth uh, the trip and just enjoy yourself. Enjoy the weather. It was 70, like two degrees out there, like mostly uh, cloudy. Perfect weather did, for my wife and I. Were these, were they selling cans or did they have draft? They they had the drafts. They had eight on draft. Oh, wow. And then they were also selling a couple things <clears> on uh I think maybe six on draft, but I think eight. Um, and then then they had some cans yeah, as well. They had well. a couple. They had cans of like the seltzers. Nice uh, from cut water. Did they have off the tea? I did not see off the oh. tea there. That is their. What is off the tea? It is their uh, tea lemonade sour. Ah, and it's uh, that, you had that two episodes ago. Was uh, it? I, I had it. Or am I thinking of something different? No, I did have it. I think it was a little longer ago. Okay. But it was gosh, okay. it was excellent, and um, they resurgence is like one of the main um, beer suppliers for or craft beer suppliers at um, the Toronto Blue Jays games. So anyone who ah. I went to a game with my father, uh, he bought me tickets for Father's Day, and we went, and we enjoyed some of their beers there. And I kept telling everybody who was like, "Oh, I'm going on th- Tuesday." I'm like. Get off the tee, because if you're sitting out there in the hot sun during a ball game, mm-hmm. it's going to be the most refreshing beer you can get there. And four people have, that I've told have come back and been like, yeah, that that was delicious. And, yeah, it hit the spot. It was 4%, so you're not, like, getting mm-hmm. too bombed. And it's just refreshing, so... I recommend it, Paul. If you see that truck again, see if you can get the off the tee. I, I did notice they had two sours. I just was not in the mood for a sour at that moment. Um, so I was like, oh, sit mo. And then Kate got the peach pilsner. And I might talk about that later. But uh, 
we got some news to talk about. And by we got some news, I mean we don't have any news, guys. We got, like, nothing. We talked before the show about how I did not see Black Widow, but these two guys did. Uh, we talked about the trailer for uh, What If. Looks It looks really slick. Like, I, I dig it a lot. Like, it's hard to tell the animation cell from the... Like the screenshots that they've shown previously in some other stuff, um, we've seen some minor clips in other, mm-hmm. like, here's what's coming up stuff, but actually seeing, like, full-fledged trailer for it, like, it looks great. And, like, they do a great job of capturing the likenesses of the actual actors who are all coming back to voice those characters in the show. I have to say, it's got a very cel-shaded quality, like that kind of animation. Sly like Cooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wind Waker, uh, Link, Wind Waker, you know, and I'm not in love with that style. I think it'll work for the show since you need to get the likenesses and, you know, I have a, seeing it in animation, I'm a little bit less uh, skeptical. I thought it would look very flash animation-y, like Mm kind of cheap, but this does look better than that. Um, I'm excited to sit through a full episode and, uh, man, it just... Makes me feel more and more like they're opening up the whole multiverse of madness, guys. And maybe that's what's going to happen on that very last episode of Loki. We're we're five or six episodes into Loki, so we, we haven't seen the last episode yet. Yeah. Uh, we also got the trailer. Did you guys see for the new Star Wars animated show where it's like... Uh, oh, Visionaries? Yeah. Um, is it the anime? Was there an actual trailer or was it just that kind of like, hey, first look thing? Because I, I saw... It was like a first look where they were talking about it and then they showed some clips, but I didn't know if there was like Yeah, I think, it, I think it's that? the clips okay. the clips that I saw. Um mm. but yeah, it's kind of that I wouldn't say yeah, uh, anime, but it's kind of an anime style. Yeah, it's um but I guess it's anime. it's gonna be several like different kinds of styles to telling different stories, right? Yeah, it's oh, all wait, so- different anime directors coming together. It's like an anthology series where each one will be telling a different um, Star Wars story. Oh, no, you guys are thinking The Matrix, and that's the Animatrix. That came out a while ago. I watched that. I don't remember anything about it, though. I think, John, I think you and I rented it one night from... I think I slept through most of it. Wait, no, you guys are thinking about the uh, Batman one. The Batman one was okay. It was hit or miss, but some of them are pretty good. Again, I don't remember. Tales from Gotham City? What was it called? Yeah, there was that. It was an anthology. There was that one, and then there was also the one where Batman like gets bumped on the head and then goes back in time and fights the Joker, and they're samurais. Oh, yes. Batman Shogun or something like that? Yeah. No, I'm thinking of the one where it was like Tales of Gotham City, and it was the anthology series all in The one from style. like 10 years ago? Yeah. yeah. And the... Matrix one from like 20 years ago. Because I'm old, guys. I only remember things. I don't look forward to anything. I just reminisce about the past. Uh, that was Batman Gotham Knight, which was Gotham the anime uh, anthology series. Spelled with a K, right? Yep. Yes. Gotham Knight. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. 2008. Yeah. 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 I only like remember things from like um, 15 years ago. It's fine. Visionaries looks really cool, though. I like uh, the look of everything that they showed off and I look forward to seeing that come out. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest news that we haven't talked about is, Hey, move over shark girl. There's a new girl in town. That's right. Who's that Paul- girl? Paula Stonut 
has unleashed Donut Girl on the corner of Seneca and Smith Street for their new uh, their new franchise location opening in Larkinville. That's right, Donut Girl. Get your picture taken. It's very Instagrammable here in Buffalo. Oh, is it a statue? Mm-hmm. Oh, I I thought the shop was called Donut Girl. No, no, no. It's a statue for Paula's Donuts, and the ah. statue is called Donut Girl. I do have to say, Paula's Donuts are really good. Really good donuts. Yes. I haven't had a Paula's Donuts in at least a year and a half. I got a free one that I need to go get. Oh, look at that. Mr. Mr. Donut Hall over here. That's a a terrible statue. Like, nobody nobody wants a picture with her. She's she's horrifying. (laughs) What? She's got the Muppet eyes and she's like a donut. Yeah. And she's got whipped cream on top. It's weird. Oh, I don't know. I gotta see I this like now. It. You don't it's need on, to. On Facebook. I, I don't know. It's... I feel like those big pouty lips and just like that Ooh. big open gaping hole in there. She's just, <laughs> Guys. <top of> cream. <laughs> well, you know, because I, I do believe that Shark Girl is a better look. But yeah, you know, Shark, better Shark Girl is an actual art installation. This looks like a weird thing that Marketing, just, Mark for marketing put together. With, I don't know. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. You brought it up, Paul. Now you got to deal with it. <laughs> That's yeah, the cost. Yeah. I don't. Oh, it's scary, though. That's not great. Paul has noticed you can do better. Please, please try to do better. I beg you. Uh, I guess that's 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 all I, of the news, right? Yeah, I need a drink after that. Okay, go get a drink or have your drink or I have drink your drink. drink. Uh, what, what drink are you drinking? Uh, next one out of the Hoppy uh, Voodoo Ranger pack, Voodoo Ranger Hoppy pack, whatever the box is called, uh, is American Haze, and this is actually a, a hazy session IPA. Um, on their website, they say. Notes of passion, fruit, and freedom. This unfiltered IPA brew with all-American hops is supremely drinkable. And, yeah, it's definitely a session. It's very light on, like, flavor. It's got, like, a, a crispness to it. Um, it's got a little bit of, like, a hop kind of, like, cling on that bitter. But I have to think, like, okay, look for notes of passion fruit when I take the sip. And then I'm like, okay, there it is. Oh, no, it's gone now. It's very light, very subtle. Um, a hot day, this is definitely something I could probably just chug after I get inside. Um, I probably should have had this when I was sitting out on my porch reading uh, Event Leviathan for the main topic today because I probably could have downed one of these cans because I was just, it was 95 out in Florida today. It was gross. Um, I, I, beautiful, this, beautiful outside here. Beautiful day. Mostly cloudy, 72 degrees. Perfect day just to sit out near a beer truck and just enjoy some uh, live music, man. Sorry. Uh, This doesn't pass the is it better than all day IPA from Founders Test, though. Like, that's that's what I got to look for now in any session beer. And I have yet to find the one that will. It's that or is it local? Like, that's the only thing, like, I kind of agree with producer Scott. He's like, but is it local? <laughs> like, And at that point, 
I'm still not really that willing to pay a premium. I mean, I drink, I, especially on the show here, I drink a lot of our local beers. I try to mm-hmm. bring them home and, and try them one because for my job I need to talk about them. But there's definitely – I wouldn't say I – mean, there's a couple of our breweries that are putting out session beers. Um, uh, Day Burner, Day Trekker. Um, Cosmic Truth, like, there's only really a couple mm-hmm. of them, and none of them are, like, I really, yeah. I, I enjoy Day Trekker, but I think it's too expensive for what it is. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy Day Burner, um, but again, like, that that price you pay for, um, for all day, and it's just super solid. You know exactly what you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um Sloop just put out a uh, a session that I'm interested in trying that I hear is pretty good. So I'm, I'm interested in trying that. But yeah, and the is it local argument? When I lived in Grand Rapids, yes, it was. It was like, <laughs> two minutes away from my apartment. Like it was, it was super close. Like, um, for those listening that haven't been listening for you know seven years since I lived in Michigan. Like, I would literally get out of work, go to Founders, get a growler to bring back for the podcast, have a beer, like, while they were filling my growler, like, drive home and then, like, jump on. Like, it was it was great. Um, the worst things about – the worst thing about Chris living there would be at, like, 11 o'clock at night when I was going to bed, Chris would send me, like, a text, like <laughs> – uh, I'm drinking this awesome brown ale called Tiger Bomb at uh, Founders. It's absolutely delicious. And then send me a picture of like his beer and the live band that he's playing. And like they're pretty good. Um, I I miss those days. That was probably the only good thing about living in Michigan. Um, and where I'm at now, I mean, yeah, there's some great, there's some great breweries here in Orlando, but none of them have that same feel that like founders have like I'm gonna be constantly chasing that all day IPA founders brewery high because just being in there like uh, there's like a reverence to it uh, mm-hmm. and Nora has like that same kind of hey we've got a gigantic bar like menu with like 40 different sandwiches on it live music like it's it was a great experience uh one that hopefully we'll get to experience at some point in the near future if we're able to get there. But hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna text Paul's wife, bless you for sneezing so loud that you can <laughs> hear it on mic. <laughs> I, I was I was looking to see if it could be heard on mic, and I uh, think my mic is hate, picking up the air conditioning more than her sneezes. Uh, I mean, we heard it. We heard it. Possibly. I heard it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna text her too. Uh, but Paul, do you got your next one ready to go? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll mention the one that I also had at the uh, park today, and that's the Peachy Pilsner from Resurgence. Uh, Kate got it, and she's like, oh, this is from Resurgence, right? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, it's not hitting me in the face with the flavor as much as I thought it would. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because, you know, Resurgence, at least in my, my in our household, uh, they've kind of developed a reputation to being a uh, place that will just add flavor additives in order to up the flavor profile of things. But this peach pilsner 
is just a subtle peach flavor. It doesn't bring any sweetness to the game. It's like she kept on saying that it's like it's like eating just the fl- the skin of the peaches. It's got all the flavor, but none of the sweetness. And I'm like, okay, that yeah, that makes sense. But it's a pilsner. You wouldn't want a sweet pilsner, you know. I could see like a a sweet uh, hefeweizen or a sweet, yeah. You but know, think wheat about, ale. I mean, think about grapefruit Kolsch from Genesee. I mean, Ooh, that is a that was, big, that was really good. It's a big grapefruity beer, and that's a Kolsch that's mm-hmm. lighter than a pilsner. Okay. I know, if you I tell just, me it's a peach beer, though, I'm going to be looking for that kind of sweet peachiness, like the meal, like that mealiness almost too mm-hmm. to it. It has a, it had a nice juiciness to it. I thought the flavor came out throughout it. I, I wasn't mad at it for being what it was. I was actually surprised how restrained it was from resurgence. That's all I'm saying. And uh, she didn't dislike it enough not to go with it for our second round. So that's saying something like. And it was only 4.5%. I thought it was kind of that. It was a really good choice uh, for the moment we were having. Now, and I've already described it at the park and listening to live music. So, Aw, you had a moment. Yeah, it was a nice moment. John, are you, uh, John are you what are you a, drinking? Are you having a moment with your next beer? Um, yes and no. Uh, so I'm drinking King Leary, Imperial Cream Ale. This has been dry hopped. Um... You know, they say fortified by huge malt build, which you definitely get that malt build. Um, crisp and smooth, um, and it's dry hopped. The crisp and smooth, it's a big cream ale. The dry hopping is definitely there. You definitely get that kind of nice juiciness, but that malt is big. It's like almost chewing this beer. It's so kind of big. And I wasn't expecting that out of this. It wasn't really what I wanted. Especially out of a cream ale. I don't think malt when I think cream ale. And it's good, but it's not like... I don't know. I was thinking maybe I really enjoyed Genesee Brewing put out the dry hopped cream ale um, last year. And that was really, really good with other half. And I think the what they were able to do with that beer was just phenomenal for being a dry hopped cream ale. And I don't know if it's because you're upping everything with making it imperial that I don't know. It's it's like this beer is like chewy. Um, definitely, I would say the the Prince Larry the Kolsch is definitely better than the other. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was. It was just uh, eh, not my favorite. But what are my favorites are possibly the books that I'm picking up next week, July 14th. I think that's a lie. I think he said that you didn't like any of the books coming out July 14th. <laughs> that was Chris. That, that, and was, he thought, that was me, maybe. I'm actually... Oh, okay. My bad. Chris, or John, John was like, I think we already picked these books. The lot number one is coming out, and I already it's picked true. that once. So, what are you picking, John? Because it's not. It is not. I'm actually going to go back to a book that I really enjoyed, and that is Mouse Guard. And they have Owl Hen Caregiver wow. number one, uh, 
which is life's biggest lesson that can be learned from the smallest among us. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, David Peterson's Mouse Guard. Uh, I haven't. I've talked to somebody just recently about how good it was. You've you've it's, talked to Dave we talked Peterson to for the mm-hmm. show. Uh, I believe it was episode one hundred. We talked we talked to him twice actually because no, it didn't we, record properly. Uh, like that. We, had, we were having a it? really really great conversation oh. with him, and then we went. We do a podcast and we record. Uh, oh, that's what can it was. We yeah. record this, and he's like, "Sure." He's like, "You want me to start from the beginning again?" We're like, "Yeah, uh, yeah." That was it. Was a really good. Um, but I've been a fan. I was actually talking to a guy who, at work, who reads. I think it's called Redwall, which is like a mice that are knights kind of a thing. And I was like, "Oh, you need to read Mouse Guard because it's fantastic and it looks great." So I'm kind of happy to jump back into the world of Mouse Guard. And uh, um, so behind the scenes talk. Are you actively yeah. going to be actually picking this up? Okay. Can we talk about it yeah. for... as long as... Look back. Okay, because I, I want to read it. I did not see this when I was looking at yeah. books. Yeah, as so. long as it's on... Yeah, um, definitely. As long as it pops up in uh, Comixology, I will be purchasing it. Because uh, the lot that I picked last week uh, didn't pop up in... Couldn't find it in... Uh, Maybe that's oh, why it's coming out again this week, Paul, because it didn't it didn't pop didn't pop up last week. Maybe oh maybe. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to Mouse Guard. Chris, Paul, what are you looking forward to? Uh me me too. Uh, sorry, wait, 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 Paul, wait. before you jump me? in though. Um oh. I'm just gonna say like if this is not available on Comicsology, I will go to my comic shop and pick this up because I didn't even know this was coming out i've been i guess something of a lapse i don't think he's had stuff coming out in a Um, long time i love the original this made me be like shit this like fell off of my radar have i slept on anything else and now i feel like i need to do some homework on it so great pick because now i'm like oh man i need oh the old old man and like this mouse looks amazing like i don't know who he is he's got a big russian hat on looks so cool yeah uh, no, this actually, like, I kind of want to go to an actual comic book store and see about picking up Mouse Guard books, because I'd love to sit and read those with Grayson. Like, I think he would enjoy those. Oh, yeah, it's that, it's that Mouse Guard style. I I love it. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Check that out. Uh, check out episode number 110. I'm pretty sure that was the one where we uh, talked to him at the Boston Comic yeah. Con. We had some um, good interviews that show. It was, re- it was a really cool moment. Paul? Paul? Who, me? Yeah, you, you have a book you're looking forward to. You know what? I'm going to look forward to The Flash Annual 2021 number one. It's an annual book, but it ties up the, uh, the Surge storyline. And this is where we're finally going to understand where Wally West actually fits in. Are we going to understand it? (laughs) It's promising. It's promising that it is right here in the in the uh, in the explanation of the book. It says that with one final uh, hurdle to leap, Wally puts his puts the past behind him, 
but he'll need to propel himself further and faster than ever before to do it. Uh, he, he gained a new new perspective on his past and is reinvigorated to take back the mantle of the Flash. So let's 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 do it. There, writer Jeremy Adams, artist Fernando Perian Passerin. 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 I will say this: it isn't episode one hundred and ten. Oh, but one hundred and two. Is when Paul loses it. Yeah, Paul loses it. I, I thought it was and is threw it up in the kitchen. One twenty-one. Then I don't know. I'm, it's somewhere around Just there. I thought. Keep throwing out the numbers, uh, and as you keep on throwing out the numbers, Chris, what book are you? Summer looking? movie blockbuster. Oh, remember doing those guys? Twenty-one. Um, I was trying to think about doing something for a bracket buster. Just like, however we could, because uh, we haven't done one in like two years now. Um, uh, and I was about to send this in the message, but John, I can confirm to you that uh, Mouse Guard, the Owlhead Caregiver, number one, is available for pre-order on Comixology. So, oh, perfect! At least it'll be there. Great. For that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I still actually want to go to a comic book store and pick up because they were great. Like, yeah, they were like hardcover. Like they were different. They were different size too. Like they were like a kids' book. Uh, I I have two of them. One of them. Over there, I want to say it was like the fall hardcover actually has a sketch from him from when we met him at the convention. So, yeah, um, I, I'm curious what episode that was out, but that doesn't matter. We're not looking back. We're looking forward at comic books coming out, except I'm looking back for a comic book because uh, I'm actually picking up something from last week. And this is Batman Secret Files, The Signal, number one. And this is written by Tony Patrick, art by Christian Duce. Um, Duce, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, but this month they're doing a bunch of one-shot specials under the kind of blanket title, Batman Secret Files. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one and then one coming out towards the end of the month. That'll be one of my picks for the list. So we'll talk about then, uh, that when we get to then. Uh, but yeah, Duke Thomas, he's still operating as the signal. Uh, whether he's actually being focused on in any of the Batman books or not, I don't know because I've been very bad about picking up the only Batman book that I was reading with Detective Comics for the past like two years. Um, I just pick up a couple issues here and there just to try to catch up. But it's one of those titles that even when you're going back to the old issues, they're still priced at like $2.99, $3.99. And when I'm buying those on top of just my other new comic books that I pick up for the show to read and talk about, it's like, well, instead of picking up, you know, five issues from Detective Comics, you know, I might buy one or two. And I'm just constantly behind on it. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to the point where I'm caught up. So I'm glad they're putting out something like this that kind of invigorates me, too pick up another Batman book um, that's not a you know number one or like crossover event book because uh, I really enjoyed uh, Duke when he popped up in the Scott Snyder Batman. Uh, I like that they kept him around and they are at least trying to do something with him after uh, Batman Eternal, Bat- which came out a while ago. Uh, and they did have like that three issue Batman and the Signal kind of like miniseries that again, I picked up the first issue for that month's look back. The pre, uh, 
the final two I have not grabbed because they're still both priced at like $4.99 or $5.99. And it's to the point when I even looked at buying the trade for it, it's still like $13 for the trade. I'm like, that's just priced a little bit too much what I want to spend for a book that came out probably like four years now. And I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember loving that, that you run that you guys book. Did, but I was just happy because I love my bet family stuff, you know, like, you know, your red Robins, your Robins, your night wings, your, your spoilers, wings, your red hoods, your spoilers. I love all of them. But then I also love, you know, your signals and blackbirds, like the Harper Row character that pops up from time to time. And you're like, oh, cool. She's still Was around. it blackbird or was it bluebird? Was it bluebird? Black- it might have been bluebird. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm colorblind. I don't know. That's, but that's the thing. They're not present enough because Batman has such that big extended family that, you know, the characters that sell are the ones that get the most attention. And I get that, but... I'm glad that there is still maybe a little bit of a following for those other forgotten characters that they can support a book like, you know, Secret Files, the signal number one. No. Yeah. And now, a dramatic reading of Checkmate number one, page 16, a panel six. It was nothing, darling. He just stole our birthright. And that was a dramatic reading from Checkmate number one, page 16, a panel six. I thought there was an unwritten rule about the unspoken thing that we did, that we always picked a panel from the book we're reviewing for the main topic. I mean, we picked the main topic book based off of this book, so I get it. Oh, okay. And honestly, when John sent this panel over and I looked at it, I thought it was from... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too. Until I read it, I'm like... And John introduced it, I'm like, wait a second, this isn't from Event Public. And if you're wondering what panel we're talking about, you can actually see that over on our Instagram page right now, because I'm literally going to be posting it as we speak. Uh, If you ever want to see any of these... I'm trying to be better. I know I say that every episode about posting <laughs> our look back, or not look backs, but our dramatic reading panels, Chris. our list panels, and then the ep- actual episode artwork because I, I, I'm bad. I love doing this podcast, but when I'm not actively doing the podcast or thinking about what books to read for or what beers to drink for, I'm not like, oh, let me let me do this kind of stuff. I'm. Chris was the best at it when he was shut shut yeah. at home during COVID. Like I was like, boy, he's really putting a lot of content out there. And Caitlin's like, well, yeah, he's home by himself. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. to do. I was like, Uber eats thing like burgers and like playing uh, World of Warcraft. Be like, I might as well do something else. Paul and I started a whole side podcast because it's like, hey, yeah. might as well read books and talk about it, which I do want to continue, Paul. I, I we we did the, we did I did it with you too. Paul, I did more. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a baby at home. It's understandable, yeah. John. I still had a, I still had an infant son then. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was easier to do with Paul because we would just basically like 
talk for like two hours about Harry Potter, which we would wind up doing anyways if we were just hanging out talking about stuff. It was good reason to just sit there and reread the chapters, not just once, but twice. Once to read it and then once to take notes. Oh, I was really diligent about that. I stand by, like, after we finished and at the very end of my digital copy of Sorcerer's Stone, they had, like, the first chapter of Chamber of Secrets. And after reading that, I was like, oh, I want to keep going, but I know I'm going to have to sit down and reread it and then talk to Paul about it for, like, half an hour. So I better just hold off. Mm-hmm. That was like a year and a half ago. That was a year ago. That was about a year ago. We started it. I think it was the fall of uh, last it, year that we started it. Might have been. Uh, maybe. Because it was kind of Harry Pottery season. So probably about a year ago. Because I know by now I was back I, to work already. So I listened to the bulk of it in a car ride. I was... I was by myself in a car driving a, a huge distance. I feel like I was driving to like Syracuse or something, but I was by myself. Well, so I don't know. Sometimes it just takes a long time, uh, and you then end up accusing it. Oh, I was I was dry I was driving to my sister in law's place. My wife and her mother had driven up, and that was I don't know. It was a mystery. It's okay. Much like the mystery that the, the characters of the DC universe are trying to solve in Event Leviathan, the uh, trade policy. And that takes me to my next beer. And I'm having from other half brewing their O dot 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 forever. And this is a double dry hopped Imperial IPA. And darn. For 8%, this drinks so, so easy. A nice little bit of a bitter on the juiciness here. It's so, it's like other half IPAs, like they're a pretty high bar. Those are really, they make really good beers. And for the most part, yes, I would agree. Like a lot of them just taste the same. It's the same it's the same base beer and then they change up the hops for their different beers. But every once in a while you have one that's like a couple notches up. And this is definitely a notch up from just a normal other half beer. And other half beers are usually always pretty good. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, this is, this is good. I like it. I'd give it probably three, seven, five to four, four stars. Just super, super solid for uh, for the price point. And Chris, when you come, the next time you come up, well, maybe not the next time, because the next time you probably have Yanni and we'll want to go to like some local beers, breweries, and we definitely want to spend a good amount of time at other half. Mm-hmm. And But we definitely need to take that bit of a drive and hit some of those, hit Mortalis, Rising Storm, and other half and... And have a good, that would have good to old be time. on a weekend because Mortalis is only open up on the weekends. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm going to yeah. go next because I, I yeah. I've got to talk about this beer before I finish drinking, and that's the Brickyard Brewing Company's White Bronco New England IPA, six point eight percent, and this is a nice dry uh, double IPA. It's got New England style 
it's got that juiciness to it, but as you let it warm up, it dry, it's that drying kind of like hoppy, juicy hoppy. It's uh, more of that these piff than the juiciness. Um, really easy drinking. Uh, I, I've been stalling on talking about this, and now I only got like one sip left, like the last of the drips. Oh, um, oh, make, make it count. Make yeah, it I got to make it count. But it's enjoyable. Uh, yeah. If you're at Brickyard, this is their go-to. Like, this is what I would drink. I would order first. Uh, if you're up in Lewiston, which is kind of a hike from Buffalo. Chris, what are you? What did you go grab and drink? Is it another Voodoo Ranger? Uh, yes, the third Voodoo Ranger from the Hoppy Pack is their 1985 IPA. And they say, like, totally loaded with juicy mango flavor, 1985 takes you back to the future of hazy IPAs. Buckle up. And right off the bat, like, I took my first sip and I was like, oh, yeah, there's that mango. Um, after I poured it into the glass, I'm like, I'm more than halfway through it. I don't know if, like, I'm just kind of acclimated to it now or, like, as it's warming up, it's kind of, like, losing that flavor. But I'm not getting as much of that mango punch that I had in that first sip because as soon as I took the sip, I was like, oh, like, Yanni has to try this. So I took it into the other room and I was like, you know, try this because she's not an IPA person until she finds an IPA that she's like, oh, I really like that one. Um, behind the seed stuff, I picked up a four pack of collective arts, um, today when I went to the beer store as well, because, uh, it was their good monster double IPA. Cause one of the cans that they had in the four pack, I was like, Oh, like she probably really dig the art on that. Like, you know, maybe it'll be a beer that she likes on top of it too. And when I asked her how she liked, she was like, uh, it's a work in progress. Like she, she doesn't know. And like this one, I was like, well, Hey, like this, this will be the IPA for you. And when she took the sip, she's like, what is that? And I was like, mango. She's like, okay, this is the first fruit IPA that when I hear that, I think like, yes, this is mango. Cause other ones that I've had, is like, Oh, it's like citrus. It's orange. It's lemon. She has it. She's like, well, no, I don't get that. So this one was mango forward enough that even kind of like a lackadaisical beer drinker was like, oh, yes, like I, I get that. Um, I, I, so I feel like my tongue just kind of has to be deadened to that mango now because I'm not getting that first sip taste because when I had I was like, this is the winner from the pack so far. Um, I do have one more. Last summer when this beer came out, this beer came out and was just... <clears throat> It was just a six pack. Now you can only get it in the hoppy pack because they have another. It's called um, what is it? Uh, instead of Y two K, it's V two K, which is like a guava. I think guava grapefruit one, and it's got like the nineties guy wearing like the Charlotte Hornets starter coat with a. Michael Jordan jersey wearing Bill Zubas with a CD Walkman I, on him. I'm looking at that right now, yeah. <clears throat> and so, but with with the beer that you're talking about, Chris, so New Belgium Brewery has a guy who's their juice master. He makes the different juices that get blended into beers, and they also, like, they're, they're sours, um, this, and now that they're doing seltzers and, and and sodas and stuff like that. He won, like, a 
a juice award for this mango juice that he made for this mm. beer. And then they also use that same mango juice in their seltzers for their tropical punch that they blend with, I think, passion fruit, which is his passion fruit juice that they use in the V2K. <clears throat> so it's kind of interesting that, like, you never think, like, there's a guy actually making the mango juice that's being added, not just getting, like, oh, we bought the mango pulp in bulk from this distributor. Mm-hmm. This guy's actually taking the mangoes and making the mango juice. That I think like. it's even better that his title is Juice Master. Juice Master. It, um, he won some vague. It does sound like it's a guy that just you know gives you a shot in the butt, like at the WWE, like uh, wrestling matches or something, like some sort of steroid guy. You know, oh, you got to go. See, you want to get big. You got to see the juice master. How do you got to make everything? Why do you got to make? You got to always have to taint everything. No, no, it's in the butt, not in the taint. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's where you get the shot. I, I'm still standing by though. Like even though like I'm not getting that initial pop. Like I think this is still the strongest of the three I've had so far. Um, when that beer came out last year, I my my father's girlfriend does not like IPAs at all and I opened that up I let her have a sip and she was like I really like that I was like well have it and she's like at the end of the day when I was leaving she's like can you bring me a six pack of that because I really liked it so over the summer I bought her a couple six packs because she was just like I I really like that then she pulled you to the side and said I was going to break up with your father at the beginning of the summer but then you start bringing me these six packs, and well, you save relationship. He yeah. just keeps karate like, chopping boards in front of me. John, John's yeah. dad takes karate lessons. They did karate. He takes a he, is it kempo? Kempo. Is it kempo? And she's taller than my dad. Isn't kempo a karate though? Like, doesn't oh. all kind of like fall into the same? It, it's, it all falls in. The, yeah. I think in karate you have a sensei and he has a sifu. But which? Wait, no. Which one? It's the rock and roller. Is the one he likes, not the sifu. Oh, he likes. Yeah, he likes the rock and roller and the sea breeze. I, I thought he didn't like the sea. Those are uh, sushi styles uh, that we would get. But anyways, let's get into the actual mystery of the show. Uh, event Leviathan. This is a comic book that came out way back in 2019. Uh, miniseries spinning out of uh, Brian Michael Bendis' run over on, was it Action Comics? Action Comics. Um, and you're kind of dropped right in. That first uh, uh, issue, which we read for a look back <laughs> forever ago, uh, it, it drops you right in thinking, no, coming out of the events of uh, Action Comics, where the attack from Leviathan is already underway. Um, and you have Batman with Lois uh, breaking into the old Argus uh, headquarters, are going to be the new Argus headquarters, and, and uh, searching out what is actually happening because the DEO has already crashed. Uh, and John wants to say something, so I'll let him do that now. Brian Michael Bendis is writing and Alex Maleev on art, correct? Did that, did that Frank Miller, John Romita Jr., Superman Year One black label ever come out? I feel like it did, but we 
did not. Obviously, did not. It's just teased. Like I just noticed that it was teased in the beginning, and I was like, I don't remember. I was thinking I was getting something dismonstrously wrong about my description of the book. But but thank you. I saw that, and I wanted to ask that question. Good question. Um, completely on topic, and I appreciate it. No, oh, I know, Mister um, On Topic. You're Mister Throw everybody off. So that's that's the thing about this book. Um, we did read the first issue initially back when this was released for the look back, um, and I think we all did like it. We all collectively liked and it. I yeah. don't think it was something that, like we kept up on at all. Paul, correct I me if I'm wrong. Bought like, all the issues, but I read. I think I read the second one, and by the third one, I'm like, I don't remember reading this at all. Like, okay. So, on that note, even going through and then reading them all in one sitting, like one, two, three, like <laughs> through six, I feel like there was stuff I was missing out on. So I actually looked to see what was included in the trade paperback because, again, we just read the mm-hmm. six single issues that take place in the story. And the only thing that's in the trade paperback that's not in this is also the Event Leviathan Superman number one, which maybe tells how Superman came back from space to save Amanda Waller from Leviathan. So I don't know if this was also something like maybe we should have been reading extra comics alongside of it to get the full story. Because I feel like from issue to issue, it's kind of jumping. And I wasn't getting the full story. But even that being said, I still really liked what I had. Right. Yeah, but it's also a mystery. And I I, never feel like I will ever feel like I'm getting the whole story in a mystery book. Until the very end in the reveal, and that's supposed to fill me in with all the parts that I'm missing. But it, it's also a Brian Michael Bendis book. How many of these books started with them telling you, like, is it that second issue when Batman's talking to Jason Todd, and he's like, well, the question found a body. Yeah. Oh, he found a body? Well, this is how he found mm-hmm. the body. And it's like, they're talking about everything the question was doing and then all of a sudden they jump back to four hours ago and then they do it and that happens throughout this book constantly so they're talking about things that happened have happened and then all of a sudden they show you the things that happen with more dialogue and stuff going on and that's throughout this whole book and that's something you hate about comic john you hate it it, the it the is cold open and, and even of a character's doing something and then then the next page is 15 hours ago and then the end of the book is that first page yeah and this book is full of that and that's what made me feel it, like I was missing stuff though okay. missing something yeah. cuz even at that point like, cuz i felt the same when he starts talking about the question yeah. to Jason Todd i'm like well that must have happened in something else jeez ugh like, okay, I'm just going to have to catch up on this. And then all of a sudden they show me everything that happened. And I'm like, why didn't it just start mm-hmm. like that? <laughs> like, I never understand why it doesn't and start then, like this. And then ending of this book is, again, that typical Bendis thing 
where they're telling you everything that he's happened. T- yeah. Versus just the things he's happened. telling you rather than showing you. At the end of the yeah, when I got to issue six and it's Lois Lane and there's the empty pages and she's trying to write the story, and then it's just Superman recounting what has happened. It was a letdown. It was like No, I was on this mystery on this train of mystery with everybody. Now I'm at the destin I didn't even get to get to the destination. I was jumped ahead to the destination. And now I'm being told what the final leg of the trip was instead of being there along the ride. You know, it's just, that was frustrating. But even, like, initially we see, okay, Lois Lane and Batman together, like, they're working on this case. And then issue two, like, oh, we have Plastic Man and Manhunter here. Like, we have a team of detectives that were told, oh, Lois put them together. And then... Secretly, we find out four issues later she has a second. Oh, team that was of detectives, badass, and I loved it. Which I I love that, but then at the same time, like, <laughs> well, you have a team of detectives that's got like Harvey Bullock, John Constantine, uh, Zatanna, Zatanna. Like, that's Elastic like, Man. That's a cool story too. Like, why didn't I see more of that? Because I want that. But we have you know the A team. Going after Jason Todd because now he's a suspect too. I'm like, well, why is he a suspect besides him just talking to Batman and being like, well, no, like, yeah, they're setting me up like they're setting everybody else up, like, where it looks like it has to be me. Okay, but what did they do to lead everyone to Jason Todd to get to that point? Because right off the bat, that's where I felt like, oh, what was happening in between issue one and two that I missed that they're like, oh, well, let's go get Manhunter and Plastic Man in on this. And again, everything that's in these six issues, I did enjoy. It's just the stuff that's not in them that I wanted to read. Well, and I feel would let me enjoy this even more. They recruited Plastic Man. Kate Spencer was on the run because they set her up like at, at the explosion. And Green but Arrow was that's... there because he was set up. It was Green Arrow's not. A world's greatest detective. He was on the run because they found him. But at his home. it goes back to and like we're we're told that like yeah. we we're told like oh yeah like I have nothing in this like I'm I'm here too though. But why? And <laughs> the other thing is that first issue when they come into Steve Trevor and he's like, they're making it look like I had something to do with this, and then they have that whole thing with like, it's a great kind of like parlor scene where they're like. Well, the only reason you'd be left is because you are the person, but it, you're obviously not the person because mm-hmm. they're trying to make it look like you're the person. Da, 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 da. But wouldn't they think that with everyone? And they do. Like, <laughs> and, and, and they do. They talk about it in every single issue uh-huh. where people are like, Lois Lane, it's you. It's not me. I put this team together. Why would I put this team together? I had a contingency right. team I put together, too. Like The contingency team knows uh, that they're you know, the contingency team. Why would I do that? And, like, when they came up against Jason Todd, and then when it's like, it seems like Batman is there to either recruit him for either it more muscle than his detective skill, and he's like, You've already put your team of detectives together. Why are you talking to me here? And then it's like, oh well, Batgirl's there too. She's in on it. She's she's a double agent. Wh- when did all that happen? Like we know she's missing because she was 
at the scene and like again there's no bodies found but why is she with them and where was that story told because that seems like that would be an interesting story like Batgirl being approached by Leviathan to get in on this like because since Leviathan has all of the DC Universe's spy secrets they know she's Oracle like is that why she's invited in we're not told that though in the story. Like it's just like, oh, we, we, we got Batgirl too. Is it was there a tie in there? Was there a Batgirl? I, I I'll look know. while you talk, John. I, I don't know. The, the the thing the thing like I really enjoyed this book, and I think it's fifty fifty the writing of this mystery and then the artwork in yeah. it. The artwork is great, and it really keeps you going. The page layouts, everything. McCulvey's art is just phenomenal in this book. And I think that's what makes you like this book more than maybe you should have, because as we're sitting here talking about it, and we're really, like, driving trucks through the plot holes of this book, that... As much as I liked it, and I, I, I read this whole thing today, taking five minutes, ten minutes here or there, because life gets in your way. I worked all day today, and I started reading this first thing in the morning. I read probably about an issue and a half. I got to work. I sat in my car. I finished that second issue. I walked into the beer cooler, and I stood there, and I read for two minutes and like that was my day is continuously reading this and you know oh I'm going to go on break what are you going to do on break I'm going to read this book like that's how I read this book is all throughout the day and then finally sitting down I did the call Paul pops on and I'm like hey I got to finish the last couple pages and then it's a Brian Michael Bendis book so <laughs> it's pretty wordy um but I liked this book. Every time I got to the end of an issue, I was like, that was a really good issue. Yeah. But there is so much missing in this book that, like, at the same time as we're talking about this, yes, it was really good. But it sh- it could have been more. It should have been more. And then you realize that they talk about, oh, in that first issue, like, oh, we can't really just point the fingers at people. Like, we know there's something happening, blah, 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 blah. Next issue. Pointing fingers. It's Lois. Yeah. It's Lois. Le- like, they're pointing fingers again. And then all of a sudden, like, was the second to the last issue when Talia shows up? And then they're like, oh, it's in Manhunter. It's in, it's in her armor. And it's like, and then they're telling everything through sign language. It's like I, I like, and then I like it was this. just, and then it was just like I'm Batman, and I'm like, maybe we should go back to the Batcave. And I was like, what? You're figuring out who he is, you know his name, and you want to go back to the Batcave for what? And then they all just appear with Zatanna. Like it just. There's some cockamamie bullshit in this book. There is, especially because that whole, like, twist reveal comes from Damian Wayne Robin just being like, 
oh, your staff, who else has that technology? Like, that's the catalyst that lets them put everything together that it's Mark Shaw, the original Manhunter, mm-hmm. behind it all. And that's why she's being targeted, not because she's some super spy threat, but just because she's... A legacy. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a weird jump to make that comes out of nowhere. But a lot of that bullshit is kind of easy to forgive because I think anyone that's familiar with comics, you could sit them down and say, hey, write an exchange between Batman and Talia al Ghul or Batman and Lois Lane. And you'd have enough of those characters that you could write some interplay between them and have like, you know, maybe not perfect couple pages, but like you, you know enough about the characters and how they would interact together that it would be like readable. (laughs) What I really enjoyed about this though, is the fact that it's like, Oh, I have red hood talking to Lois Lane and that's working. Plastic man talking to this villain that he doesn't know who he's trying to piece things together by keeping him like off guard. Like and he pulls off a piece of his armor. There's some good stuff in between everything here, and it's characters that you wouldn't normally see together outside of just a splash page, or good job, Plastic Man. But those interactions and conversations read normally, and they make sense, even though like you wouldn't ever see those characters working together on something. Um, and I, I, I love those moments. I... I, I, I... I have to agree, Chris. I think that's what really makes this book is... And then it's all bullshit, though. Writes, and they're like, wait, where, where, where did this happen? Like, how am I... Where is this interplay that now I'm not seeing that's setting up the next issue? Because you're not told so much of the story, but the story that you're told is done very well, outside of the Damien Wayne just being like, oh, this... That staff, that's that's the key. Let's look at the rest of the tech now. Like that it is it is he does write those characters and their dialogue between each other perfectly. He does capture those voices of those characters and incredibly well. And I think that is what I probably walked away from all those issues saying, Wow, that was really good is I love his Lois Lane. Yeah. His Lois Lane is, he, he writes her perfectly. And even that scene where it's like, the question's like, can I ask you a question? And she's like, that's not the question I ever thought the question would ask me. Like, the, like there's those little bits and yeah, he writes Plastic Man perfectly. I really like in this book, I really like Leviathan. Mm-hmm. As a villain, because he's, I don't know, is he wrong? No, yeah, it's it's <laughs> you a know, broken like, system. We know it's broken. Now, what can we do to fix it? Like, or you you have the it. chance to like just come along for the ride. And I like that it's and how uh, I like that he's taking a plan that both Batman envisioned. Uh, Red Hood stayed stayed awake. Fearing would happen, 
And Samuel Lane actually, you know, thought about it as well because the whole contingency plan, uh, team's like, no, he. We found his writings. Like he, he wrote the scenario. Like Sam Lane, he's like. He's Leviathan. I also like that Lois is like, no, like he wrote that to be like, what do we do if, if, if this happens? Like, <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, we're doing this. It's like, hey, this is something to be prepared for. And I think, you know, we're giving a lot of uh, a flack to, you know, the whole like, I mean, it's like, hey, that bow staff is cool. Like, uh, oh, what? It must be another Manhunter. But the whole series is like pointing fingers at legacy, you know, uh, it's it's Sam Lane. Or no, it's a legacy. It's Lois Lane, and then you know that's the first sub uh, suspect. You know the legacy of Sam Lane is Lois Lane. And then the next suspect, who is it? Red Hood, who's the legacy of Batman, and then who's the next suspect after that? You know they're looking at these legacy characters, and I think if you look at it that way, you can be like, oh, it was foreshadowed that it would be a legacy character. It would be, but also. By this time, we were reading it, knowing it was Mark Shaw, and yeah. I was—I had that in mind. I'm like, okay, well, he's Manhunter. How do they? And they're like, yeah. oh, this is a legacy. So I'm like, oh, this is this is the rhythm of this story. If I if I had read this not knowing it was Mark Shaw, I think when they said it was Mark Shaw in this, I probably would be like, oh, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. Like, I think I would be more, like, upset about that. But because I knew it was Mark Shaw before and I read this, I think I was more on board. Right. I think so, too, uh, now. Because uh, it's, like, one of those things, kind of like, what was the zero issue, zero hour or whatever, where fans kind of figured out that it was Captain Adam. And then they hurried up and, like, said, no, it's Hawk. (laughs) Like, they rewrote. There was a big DC thing, and well, uh, yeah. I mean, even kind of going back, there was Brian Michael Bendis, like with the original uh, Ronin. Oh, everyone's like, oh, it's it's Hawkeye. (laughs) It's Hawkeye, and then they're like, no, it's not. It was a was it like? Wait, wait. No, everyone's like, oh, it's Daredevil because that's one of, like, uh-huh. five characters that Brian Michael Bendis writes. And then it's like, no, it's Hawkeye. And it's like, no, well, you look at the <laughs> the path work and, like, the clues that he laid out. Like, it, it was supposed to be Daredevil. <laughs> and then it's like, no, got you. I brought, I brought back Hawkeye. Why would I kill him? It's Hawkeye. Pew, 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 pew. Finger guns. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like there is enough groundwork there, though, like, that... It wasn't like a bait and switch, but yeah, because the issue beforehand when they're talking about why she's there, and she's like, "Well, why are why were you targeted?" and she's like, "I'll tell you as soon as we figure out who Leviathan is," because I don't even know. And then it's like, "Oh, it's because Mark Shaw was the original Manhunter, and you're a Manhunt. You're now called Manhunter." Like, but even again, I haven't read this in forever. But I talked about this during last episode with the look back. I haven't read the Manhunter series by Mark Andreco in a long ass time. Longer than eight years because you sold your long boxes before yeah, I got you moved rid of to all of that stuff. Yeah, or going to Michigan. But she 
she met Mark Shaw. Like, there was no inkling of any of this happening, so I don't know where any of that came from. Like, there's no reason, based off of their interactions in that series, for him to target her for anything. And I and maybe that unless he was targeting her because he knew he could he could listen through her chess piece. She's not a character that's done anything in the DC universe to be of note that she would be able to be targeted for that kind of stuff. They're like the only thing that she's been in recently has been Event Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like she's like some yeah. like he's green. He, she's Green Arrow's lawyer, but she's not some in like. That's but is she like, since the new no. fifty two? <laughs> like, has she been? But uh, well, even I think she's she, no, she hasn't. New fifty two. Yeah, yeah. She, I don't exactly. Think she's and that's at all. the thing too. But it's, what what I think what I think this is is again, it's all that set up to point fingers. He did this that Batman would then bring her into his group, so then he could know every move they're she, going to make. And that but was again, why it was smart we, to have Lois Lane set up the contingency team. But even at that point, there's no reason for Batman to bring her into the team because she's not one of the greatest detectives. She, It's the Daredevil story, except set in the post-Infinite Crisis universe. She was a lawyer who was tired of seeing these supervillains get off and she stumbled into an evidence locker that had the Manhunter technology in there. I was like, I'm taking vengeance into my own hands. I'm going to do this. She's she's not a detective. Like, she's just there for vengeance. Like, Detective Chimp would have more of a place on this team than she would. I'm surprised he wasn't on the B team, honestly. Like, I'm surprised Mr. Terrific man, wasn't yeah, there either. He, yeah. He sh- uh, yeah. Uh, Harvey Bullock. Yeah. Did not need to be there, but here's Death the stroke. thing. On I put it, yeah, he has one I, line. I put a team together of the greatest of the greatest detectives. It's Batman, the question, Lois Lane, and then there's four other team members. You know, like even Damien makes more sense being on that team than Green Arrow, mm-hmm. Plastic Man. We understand why Green Arrow's there because uh, he was attacked. Like, he's not one of the greatest detectives. Like, I'll, I'll throw that to the side. Plastic Man, okay, because I think he's cheap. <laughs> they, they, they used him. Yeah, he was just using him. He's not a, he's not a detective. Elongated Man makes them yeah. more I sense know, and to be on that can team. Can I just say Alex Maleev's art there? Uh, makes him look like a... The E looks backwards? The E looks backwards and he looks like a schlub. I'm like, come on, that's Elongated Man. Put some respect on his name. I, I need to pull that one up. I think it was, is that like episode, he's, he's hardly issue four? Yeah. He's hardly there. Yeah, the E's backwards. And um, I just, you know, yeah. And I, then we have, like, that's the Renee Montoya question there, too, who doesn't do anything. She yeah. says, like, she says, like, one thing. Yeah, a lot of the characters on the B squad, like, other, Zantana gets some props. And then I think that's Constantine double. Constantine has some great moments, like, double booking, though. Yeah, and, and that makes sense to have those people where it's like... I think Constantine wasn't really hired. He's just following along at that point. He's like, what are you up to tonight, Z? And he, she's like, dude, I've got this thing. Don't worry about it. And he's like, well, I'm going to follow you because yeah, I've got nothing better to do. I would take... I would contact Constantine before I would con- contact I think Santana. You, 
I, okay, I think you would, but I think Lois Lane would contact Santana because it's easier. He's going to get more dirty on and be more of Are a detective than right? Zatanna. Zatanna will be able to use her magic to figure out mm-hmm. maybe more. But if you're looking for a con artist to figure out the long con, John Constantine would be that person. And I do enjoy when she's like, you contacted us because we were going to look for different kinds of clues and piece together different things. And I really wish there was a way for us to make some sort of bracket up of <laughs> and, and like or maybe some sort of drafting of a mystery solving team. Oh, man. You no. Know? The best detectives in the DC yeah, universe? Like the best detectives in the DC universe bracket or something, maybe? I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Oh, man. Are we talking next episode? <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I, it's all a mystery to me. But no, I, I honestly have to say, you know, just getting into the art uh, a little bit. I wasn't in love with Alex Molly's art throughout this, uh, because I think he threw more mystery than was needed <laughs> in it. Like when Talia Ghoul shows up, I had no idea that was Talia Ghoul until somebody says it, it's her. And then when they cut to her, but that's. That's a constant comic book thing, though, unfortunately, yeah. where if you're not in a costume with an icon on it, there's no consistency from artist to artist mm-hmm. how that character is going to be drawn because you're basically just drawing a person who's a person. Yeah. Like, would you have known that was Lois Lane if you weren't told right at the beginning of issue one that? Lois Lane here exactly at this would you have known that was Steve Trevor no like well here's another thing like when Green Arrow fires that arrow and somehow it it, it became a net that trapped Batman and Damien that whole action scene I had no idea what went on other than like somebody like Red Hood or was it Green Arrow says Batman is going to blame me for blame me for this it's like yeah, is he, it Green Arrow? Uh, Green Arrow says that he deflects the arrow back at them. He deflects the arrow and hits them, mm-hmm. so, and nets those. I two. thought that was a confusing kind of sequence. I didn't get what happened there. I think McKelvey's art works the best Malieve. in not the believe. Sorry, uh, in not the action scenes, but just like those scenes that he draws where. It's him in plastic, like it's Superman with Plastic Man on his back, and then when he's holding Plastic Man, those are great scenes. When Lois Lane is holding her father over that water on those rocks, like those are great. Superman hugging Lois and saying, "I'm sorry, your father died." Like those are all great scenes. The action scenes are probably the ones that aren't the ones that work. The best with the colors and style that he's doing with this book, and if you notice, eh, there's not a yeah, lot it's of it's very muddy. In this. It's a very muddy looking book. Um, yeah, uh, how do you tell characters apart? Well, you add color. You know, uh, yeah. Okay, she has longer dark hair than Lois Lane, who has the shorter hair. There's ways to do it with, color, but everything's kind of so muddy, and kind of ske- has a very like sketchy kind of style to it. It but you can't, of... you can't fault him for that being his style, and that's what works with him on I, characters like 
Daredevil, where, you know, he really made his name working alongside Brian Michael Bendis because they were doing those gritty, dark, like, street corner superheroes. So him being on this book, it right. it makes sense for them, you know, nose-to-the-ground detective work. But now it's a group book versus the, you know, and I have to say- hero on the ground where you're dealing with maybe three or four characters. Now he's dealing with eight, twelve different characters at a time. And it's, it, I think it's a little much for him or but for I, that I style. Think, and I, but I, I he's a great artist. There, I'm not, I don't want to say that he's, I'm just saying I, that I think it added to the confusion of this book a little bit. In, in his defense, I will say like, once you know who those characters are though, like I had no question from issues one to six, like who Lois Lane was. It's if I didn't know that was Lois Lane from the beginning, like if I was just, Reading this book with no word balloons, I would not know Lois Lane, Steve Trevor, any of those characters, aside like Amanda Waller, up if they didn't have a costume on. But once I see Lois, I'm like, okay, like that's Lois. It's a good looking Lois. Like, I I had no problem with that, and when that when that rocket blew up the Batmobile. And Talia Agul showed up. I knew ex- I knew it was Talia Agul yeah. before I read okay. before I read that line. And as soon as you read the line that's coming out of her mouth, you're like, "Oh yeah, that's Talia." Well, Agul. Also, we we had seen Talia at the very beginning, like in issue number one. Like she's got like it's not a splash page, but there's like a breakdown of like kind of like the who's who. Talia is one of them. So we've already kind of been like pseudo introduced to her and what she will look like and appear as. Apparently I was the only one confused by yeah, the I, art. Apparently I'm the only one. That's okay. And, and Checkmate, which is the book that we read last week that we spawned us to do this book. It's those yeah. two teamed up again, but it's a completely different looking book. Like the the colors, everything pops. It's a lot more brighter, and I think that was because this was that big event book that, you know, did McKelvey spend more time Malieve. on being more? Believe I don't. Why do I keep Maybe saying McKelvey worked with uh, uh, Kieran Gillen? He was that's the guy that does like the pop art style stuff. I don't know why. He yeah, did McKelvey. I don't. Really different. But, okay, so I'm the only one that had any kind of issues with the art. Okay, yeah. That's I, right. I mean, for I thought it was muddy. Like, once kind I of, knew, just meh. yeah, but that's that, that's his style. Like it just. But then on the it, it's the same thing. The Checkmate like, book, it's brighter and pops more. Uh, I'm, I'm also, going to I mean, Checkmate who's the colorist? right now. Um, who's the colorist on? You know, he's might have different colors. No, they might both, have been going for a different. They're both Dave Stewart, I think. Okay. So it's um, it's the editor's fault. I don't think so. I have I have well, no problem just with the way. That. Just say, Paul, it's you're the only one with the issue with the with the with the art. It's fine. I think we did. I think the art's great in this book. I I thought it fit the tone of a gritty crime mystery superhero book. I had no problem with it. The, like every time I got to the end of one of these books. And I was going on to the next one and went, man, that was a good issue. 
And then I'd read the next issue and I'd be like, man, that's really good. And then I get to the next one and I'm like, man, that's really good. It's only when you sit down and we're going to discuss this that it's like, oh, the, uh, this was wrong with the story. So, and this was wrong with the story. So Event Leviathan, Alex Malev did his own like inks and colors. So it was someone different on um, Checkmate. Okay. I'm just saying I like it more in Checkmate than what we got in Event Leviathan. See, I thought I, I thought they were going to be. I remembered them being very similar. I liked the way Checkmate looked, but I think I like I like Event Le- Leviathan better. Well, I like Forty Two Norse Hopography Hopography series number seven. Pretty good. It's a uh, it's an Indian Pale Ale, but man, at six point five percent, it develops a wallop of uh, their golden naked oats. Like it finishes off strong with the uh, golden naked oats. I'm just saying that now, not because I want us all to do another beer review, but I was drinking it and I wanted to talk about it. Even though John is now grabbing another beer, Chris, I know you're not, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost at the end of mine. So oh, okay, fine. go ahead and finish your fourth. Um. Yeah, uh, last one in the Voodoo Ranger Hoppy Pack is their Experimental IPA. Uh, and this is a rotating like experimental series that they do. Uh, this version is a Tropical Hazy IPA brewed with Nectaron hops. And I think Nectaron would be the Autobot uh, craft beer brewer. <laughs> um, I think he's a full planet. That actually. Oh, he's like Unicron? Yeah, yeah. Nectacron, roll those hops. Um, roll hops. This isn't bad, but I don't think I've ever had Nectaron hops before. I don't think it's going to be something that if I see them on like the can or label for a bottle, I'm going to be like, ooh, let me get that like some of the other hops are. Um, this is a fine IPA. I think I would put this probably as my least. I think power ranking for me would be the 1985. Then just the standard Voodoo Ranger IPA. Then the hazy. Uh, I can't. The American, yeah, American haze. haze thing. I was going to look it up because I couldn't remember. I was going to call it like all haze IPA, but that would just be a combination of all the IPA in this one. Um, and then the experimental on the back end. Like, again, like, this is a fine IPA, but there's not enough that stands out being an experimental IPA to make me be like, ooh, this was worth your time and effort to make. Uh, when reading the, from the book of Nectaron, Nectaron Hops, don't say anything out loud because then you'll release an army of. Eclatu. Varada. Varada. Nectaron. <laughs> Just. Just read it in your own head. Don't don't say it out loud. It's all set. So I had the hoppy pack back before Caitlin and I remodeled their basement. So oh, that is that was... when you hung up that uh <laughs> Warlock Warlock rock flag that you got? <laughs> yeah. Um so that I mean that was that was months ago. So it was probably two versions of this ago, okay. maybe three, because every quarter they change the beers in that. 
And the experimental hop, I remember absolutely loving. And I did, I did the hoppy pack for an episode. Um, I, then I remember someone doing it. I couldn't. I thought it was Paul. Unless no. Paul, you had like a voodoo pack recently, but I did a couple um, of packs recently, but not the voodoo ranger pack. So it was John, and that was like two yeah. once in a lifetime crises ago. Yeah, I, but. It was, I mean, it was, it's been months since we've remodeled down here. So the experimental that time was great. And I think it just happens to be like what beers are in that pack. And like, I really enjoyed all the beers that were in that pack that time. Mm -hmm. So I think it just depends on the time of year and what, what you're going to get. And I might. I, I think you, you won by getting the 1985 because that's the only way you can get it this year. And that was a huge hit that last was, summer. That was good. Um, I just my initial thoughts kind of stand true. I was like, oh, you know, it's something different to have for the show. Worst case scenario, fridge fillers. Mm-hmm. Like, I think based off of this and the... Sweetwater pack that we did, I would probably rather have the Sweetwater pack wow. versus, like, maybe not their locale highlight, whatever it was called, like their locale like session. Yeah. I think the American Haze was better than that, but I think as a whole, like, that sampler pack would be placed a little bit higher than this one, even though, like, these are all fine. I think there was more kind of standout stuff from the Sweetwater pack. I mean, I had that Sweetwater pack, and then the next week I had a different one. And I think both of those, I was like, yeah, like, you know, these are good samplings of what they have to offer. And, like, nothing great stand out, but the Blueberry IPA was good. Like, that was something that, like, if I saw that on tap, I'd be like, yeah, you know, give me one to go. Yeah, I... I think, from what I remember, I would, I would probably take that hoppy pack that I had. You know, two, two versions of this pack ago, over that Sweetwater pack. But that Sweetwater pack is a solid pack that I've, I've positioned it to lots of people when I'm selling beer and they're looking for a variety pack of IPAs, I was like, there's nothing in this pack that you're going to be unhappy with. And I and I say that what we said, like, I could reach my hand in a cooler and pull any of those beers out and I'd be like, oh okay. yeah, I'll drink this. It's good. And I feel that that was the same way I felt before. When that next, when that next hoppy pack comes out, Chris, do you want to... Um. If we remember all three of us, would it be something that you would go back to and try? Because you're going to have three different beers in that. If I think Voodoo Ranger is always going to stay. If it's and then you're going to get three different if versions. It's different versions of like their Voodoo Ranger IPA. I would try it again. Um, again, like that's why I started off with just like the base. Voodoo Ranger, because it's like, yeah, I know this is a good drinkable IPA. Like, I won't have anything to say about it. And I didn't like it. It is what it is. Um, if there's any of the same beers 
back in that box. I don't know if I could justify picking it up just for like one or two different beers. Like if I could get the experimental in like a craft your own kind of pack or like as a standalone, like four pack or six pack, I'd be more likely just to pick that up to have, but I don't know if I would buy like a full 15 pack again. Um, I believe, so you're going to, you would get the Voodoo Ranger. 12, yeah, 12 pick. So you'd get the Voodoo Ranger. You would get a new experimental, which would be different. It's probably the same base beer, but using different hops in it. And then you would get two other beers in it. So you'd get like a different version of like, you'd get Jucifer or you'd get New Belgian Hazy IPA or a completely different one they've done. And then you'd get, you'd get three different beers in it and you'd still have the regular Ranger. Um, so this pack was $20 and 49 cents. I don't think I would want to spend that much again. Did you get the rebate? No. Did you keep your receipt? Probably not. All right. If you have your receipt, I can send you the details to get a rebate where you get like five or 10 bucks off. I mean, five or 10 bucks off. Yeah, that would be a good price to pay, but... Just as it stands right now, like, because, I mean, the 12-pack of this and then the 4-pack of the Collective Arts Double IPA, my total was like 30-something at the beer store. And for $20 of that just being like this 12-pack of, like, three okay, okay beers. beers and then one that I'm like, ooh, this is, this is the standout. Would I buy just a six-pack of the 1985? Probably not. Because I know there's other better, juicy, New England style IPAs that I could just pick up and have for less price. Yeah, I think that like out here it's $17.99. I think it's $17.99 here. <laughs> so $17.99 for a 12-pack of IPAs isn't too bad. And I go, Paul, I know you would just spend it on a 15-pack all day. I, I understand. But um, as for the show, so I'll, I can, I'll do it. But I could totally understand not wanting to spend 20 bucks again. Because, again, you'd probably get maybe you one or two beers that are elevated over the other ones in that pack. Uh, I just looked at it quick, too, because the Sweetwater Variety Pack... A dollar fifty cheaper. Again, like they both be fridge fillers, but I think I would like the Sweetwater one more. Or I could just save my money and like pick up, <laughs> you know, like a fifteen pack of all day. Yeah, like, for five bucks less. You know. Yeah. Paul, Paul, did you crack open another I, beer? I talked about it while you ran and grabbed your beer. Yeah, you were getting yours. Oh, what, when I went to grab and grab mine. Uh, and this is a beer I wanted to talk to you, Paul, while you were re- reviewing all those resurgence oh, spears. Because cool. I have a resurgence oh, wow. spear. And I have their tangerine Kolsch. Oh. 
4.8%. And this is just a slight hint of tangerine. The malt breadiness is very overpowering on this beer. And then you get a slight tangerine tart kind of on it. I've, I've even tried to like swirl this to try to, am I not getting this? It smells awful. It smells like urine. Gross. <laughs> it really doesn't smell good coming through the can. I'm drinking there through the can. I didn't pour it out. Uh, you know what they say, John, you're in trouble now. But like, this is definitely, I expected a little bit more out of this because obviously doing a tangerine Kolsch in Buffalo or, you know, in Rochester where Genesee's grapefruit Kolsch is so huge, you really got to nail those flavors and they are not nailing this at all. It's not a bad beer. It, you just told me this was a Kolsch. I would probably just enjoy yeah. it as that style of beer. But the tangerine is, I'm struggling to find it. Um, it's not a bad beer, but it definitely doesn't deliver what the label tells me right. it is. And again, going maybe too subtle on that flavor. Which is surprising because that's not what Resurgence is known for. Kate was like, no, this isn't this is a brewery that makes uh, the, that sponge candy stout. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, that wallops you over the face with, with the uh, uh, sponge candy I flavor. I haven't had a lot of resurgence stuff lately, but even their Loganberry wit is kind of one of those, like, you close your eyes and squint, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a Loganberry beer. Um, so I'm not too surprised about the spot. Do they still do sponge candy stout? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having one of those. Like, that's... Paul, you said that, and I'm like, oh, it's been like years since I've had one of those because after kind of like the craft beer boom in Buffalo Resurgence just hasn't been one of those places that when I'm back like we go to you know yeah it I would be and again like it's one of the ones we went to when the last time you were here to the new brewery like I would definitely go and have their beers now versus three years ago. I think they've definitely figured out. They've figured things out, and they're not just, we tried to make this beer. It wasn't good. We're still going to put it out. We made a Loganberry. You had it a month ago and you thought it was awesome now you're going to have it and you're going to go oh that's not very good like they figured out their consistency they figured everything out from what I've heard I haven't had it but their version of the Loganberry Wit now is the best they've ever had it like they finally figured it out and nailed it I mean it's if you're not from Buffalo and you hear about Loganberry you're probably just scratching your head. Yeah, you're probably pronouncing it log in here. Like, but when it comes down to, like, your Aunt Rosie's or your Crystal Beach, like, 
when I think about having a Loganberry, I instantly transport it back just to go like Taco Bell late night, like getting like not Taco Bell, Mighty Taco, like getting like a super mighty, like a buffito, and like yeah, give me give me a Loganberry with it, like and just like that kind of syrupy like sweetness that's like syrupy sweet biting the back of like your throat because it's just so sugary and like the wit just didn't have that but it was like essences of it you know it was like a wit poured into a glass that had once held Logan. I, I keep wanting to say an aunt rosie's but it's crystal beach now and that's not right it'll never be the same guys um it's, it never got amped up to that level, though. So if this is the best version of it, that's something that I would try again. Because the last couple times I've had something from researchers, it wasn't that. And even when we did go there on, like, was it Chicago Street? Like the, yeah, the new one? I don't remember what beers that I had. I was just more in awe of what they kind of grew into and just like what they were now capable of after like that kind of like small, like four tank system that they had over on Niagara. Like, yeah, they've, they've grown big, but I can't think of them as any bigger than what I've sampled. Yeah. I, I have to say the, and out of COVID they are the brewery that kind of grew the strongest. They were delivering IPAs. They were delivering sours. Like it wasn't the brewery of resurgence past. It was the like, wow, these guys, they, they figured it out. They're nailing their beers. I think for the most part, I have to say just about every beer I've had over the last year and a half, I've been like, this is probably one of the best resurgence beers. And then I have the next one. I'm like, well, this is probably the the best beer. So if they keep doing that to me, I keep going back. And like this Tangerine Kolsch, it's not a bad beer, but this is the first time in a while that I feel like they didn't hit. And they've actually been a lot more hits than, than misses. And I, it, yeah. Well. Uh, not, not to keep the beer talk going anymore, but I did get up and I cracked open a can of the collective arts, good monster, which I had talked about previously on the show. Um, New England style, double IPA, uh, brewed with mosaic, citra, simcoe, and amarillo hops. They say notes of tropical mango, passion fruit, peach, uh, orange, lemon, and grapefruit. None of those stand out, but I will say, like, yeah, there's like that kind of citrus juiciness to it. Um, even though on Untapped, I have this at the same score as the 1985. This is just much more big and flavorful it has more of that kind of lingering citrus note like there's like that hot bite that kind of carries through um eight percent abv versus like six percent from the 1985 so that could be part of it um but you're also looking at a beer that's like twelve dollars for a four pack versus something that came in a twenty dollar 12 pack sampler 
Um, collective arts. I think I'm a fan. Like they're one of those breweries that like when I see something from them on a menu, I'm like, Ooh, that sounds good. And then I look it up on untap and I'm like, Oh, I had that before I put it at a 3.25. I don't know if they're fulfilling the promise that they're making to me when I read their descriptions of stuff, but you know, they try some different things with their IPAs. Um, they do some decent sours. Their cans are cool. We'll say that. Yeah. Um, what's funny is, so Collective Arts, they did um, two different collabs with Resurgence. And when they were at Resurgence, they had their beer called Head in the Clouds. And then... I've had that. I remember that one. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I, and I haven't ab- been to Buffalo in like two years. You gotta, you gotta let me latch onto what yeah. I can. Um, but when they came back from ha- doing that collab, they released uh, a beer called Life in the Clouds, which is very reminiscent of Head in the Clouds. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. And uh, the, I was talking to the resurgence reps, and he was one of the guys who pointed it out to me. But it was kind of that little bit of sour grapes, a little bit of that, like, hey, you came, we brewed, we drank beers together in our brewery, and then you guys went back and basically made our beer and s- <laughs> named it almost the same thing and sold it. So, uh, but yeah, collective arts. Collective arts make good beer. I will say that. I, I would agree. But Paul? Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything I've had from them so far, I've enjoyed at least a little bit. But I never go to them but I, to be like, oh yeah, i got to pick up I, the new collective arts. I, In my opinion, they charge too much for what they're giving Oh, that's you. probably why. And, you know... Whether it be twelve ninety nine or sixteen ninety nine, because they're they've dropped in price. But when they launched in our area, and I had their beers, I was like, I wouldn't have spent sixteen ninety nine for this four pack. I wouldn't have spent fourteen ninety nine for this four pack. I do think they make good beers, but I think they're overpriced in at least our area. Which is funny because Chris, you're usually. Pricier than us, and it sounds like they're cheaper down there for you guys. Uh, but everything I've had from them, I've for the most part liked. I just haven't wanted to pay the price for their beers, except for that their their collab barrel aged beers that Paul remember he had that really great cinnamon stout, imperial cinnamon barrel aged stout at a Christmas party. Oh. I picked you up a bottle of it. I think uh, in the Elysian Darker they, they Than Moon. No, they did a collab with Voodoo, oh. and I, I I picked up a bottle for you, and it was excellent. Mm. It was like a cinnamon barrel-aged Imperial Stout. And you went. I think you went out and bought a couple more bottles oh. of it. And I must have really liked it. I mean, yes. that sounds like your flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just never going to forget Collective Arts because it's one of those things like when I saw that I could get it here and I'm like, oh, like 
this is a brewery I've heard John talk about. Like, let me pick it up for the show. And I was like, hey, I got some stuff from Collective Arts. John, you're like, no, it's got to be a different brewery. Like, you're not going to get that down there. I'm like, no, it's Collective Arts. Like, I have the cans in my hand. It's bizarre that this is a thing that comes down here. But then again, I never thought I'd be able to go to my beer You'd be store drinking and get, like, Boodle. Thin Man beers. So, like, who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I was just going to say something. I forget what I was going to say. You were going to say, hey, this um, comic book that we read. <laughs> uh, before before we get back to it, oh, I, I do want... I'm sorry, Paul. That's all right. That's fine. <laughs> um, but Collective Arts is one of those things, like, you can... It's 10.15 on a Saturday, Paul. <laughs> Loosen up. Uh, you can go to Epcot, and they'll have beer from Collective Arts in the Canada Pavilion. Or if they have, like... One of their many festivals going on, like they'll probably have something from Collective Arts there, and I think that's really cool. Like, I don't know, I like seeing a brewery that I know and have heard about have a presence in a platform like that, where you know millions of people are going to come on their vacation to be like, "Oh, let me get this new beer from Collective Arts," which again. The whole reason I picked up this four pack is because of the artwork on the cans. Oh, very cool! It's awesome, and like when you go to their um, website, yeah, like they have a whole section just devoted to like their beer. But then right next to it's like the art because they team up with local Canadian artists who do all of the artwork for their cans. Also, um, Canadian or musicians, there should be on the can. <clears throat> There's a song that you can get that goes with that beer. Uh, so or I'm at least- looking at it right now. Art by Barbara Anna Gomez from uh, London, UK at Barbara underscore illustration. Collective Arts Milk. Uh, if I'm not going to try to say that city. Uh, Hop Citra Amarillo Mosaic Simcoe. I'm they not used to give out music. Yeah. It's not so much that it's ten fifteen on a Saturday night. It's that we spent forty minutes talking about our last beer review, and we spent twenty minutes talking about the comic, which is our main topic. I feel like we talked more about the comic, Matt, but you're probably <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I, we haven't spoke forty minutes about I, this. Uh, it's pretty close. That's okay. So you crackers, you've I, gone off I, the rails. I'm okay with wrapping up because I did have a wrap-up question. Okay. Is this a Star Wars? No. This is definitely <laughs> not, not Star So we enjoyed Checkmate enough that we were like, hey, you know what? Let's go back to Event Leviathan. Did you enjoy Event Leviathan enough to sell you on it from what you had from Checkmate? I'm going to answer your question with, this with a answer. question. Oh, that's such no. a question move. No, no, I am happy. I just that got I questioned. Read, I am. I am much more happier that I read Event Leviathan than I am to have read the first twelve issues of Sweet Tooth. Like that was really, uh, I think the uh, the thing that made us read this. Uh, Checkmate was good. I'm. I, I Did you actually read it? What? You're happier to read this than having to to read read like quickly because you didn't read it. Yeah, 
the first 12 issues okay. of Sweet Tooth. Um, just as a good point of comparison, I, I, I enjoyed this. I do believe, yeah, the, the mystery of it, if it, I didn't know it was Mark Shaw from the beginning, I would feel like the rug was kind of pulled underneath me and that, like, we took all this, like, a full issue was just, like, accusing Red Hood. And it's like, nope. That was a red herring. Uh, I, I don't want to. And then Red Hood de- I, defeating defeating everybody on that. I team. don't want to get back. Yeah, circling back to it because we're basically sort of like, no, Red Hood's great. He took us all out. And then at that moment, I'm like, wait, really? And then you're just kind of told and shown the story of him taking them all. I'm like, well, that doesn't seem like that's something that. But Red Hood didn't actually like, didn't take them all out. They took themselves out. <laughs> yeah, during that fight. Mostly. But then you get that moment between him and Lois, and I, I really liked that because he wasn't trying to. Take so it I, I enjoyed this. It made me want to to read more to try to get to an end of this. I want to see where this Mark Shaw character is going to go. But also, Leviathan will return in Action Comics 1018, Leviathan Dawn. So there is more to this story before we get to check. Yeah, there was uh, Leviathan Rising as well. And yeah, there Comics. was uh, like a one-shot that was like, oh, all the cards are on the table. Read this one. But that's also not included in the trade paperback of Event Leviathan, because that only has... These six issues and then that Superman book, like I mentioned before. Um, so I don't know if that's just like the publishing schedule where they put that out and then it led into that Leviathan book that then will lead into Checkmate. Because um, that's the thing with comic books. Like, you know, they're always just putting things out to sell you on the next thing that's coming out. Uh, does anyone want to read that too? Since we're kind of talking about everything else that's happening because if someone picked it up I would probably read it because I liked enough of this book to be interested in it but not to actively chase it down ask you guys this question that I had in my mind uh, what is your favorite Wait, DC- uh, uh, Paul Paul is the question going to be what's your next beer because we already <laughs> talked about it we can't do anymore no, uh, my question was, out of all the DC Universe, like, uh, clandestine groups, oh, okay. which one are you most upset to see that got taken down? We had Argus, we had uh, Secrets, I, apparently Suicide Squad was taken down as well. Spiral, uh, Task, Task Force X. Task Force X. I don't care about any of them because most of the time the only way I know about these is because they showed up in Justice League Unlimited or have been talked about in other comic books but I've never read or followed anything in those realms except for Dick Grayson agent of Spiral Spiral. Uh, even after and those were go ahead and those were good but but it ended it ended without giving any big clues to what spiral was was 
it was just Dick Grayson being a spy with uh, the Huntress. Huntress, you know, like, and even then, she she wasn't the Huntress, yeah. and you didn't know who the main villain was. And then the book ended, and he became Nightwing again. And it was and like, I didn't get ahead. a conclusion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, again, I have. Like, John, I have no horse in any of those races, but I will say I like Director Bones of the D.E.O. because every time you see him in a book, he's just like that skeleton dude with, like, the cigarette or cigar hanging out of his mouth who's just like, fuck, another day of this? Like, he's just so beaten down, but he's, you know, he's the company, man. Like, he's he's doing his job because he's got to do it. So, I guess that one. I I do like Director Bones, and years ago, when we did a build, build your own teams, mm-hmm. Director Bones was like the leader of my team, and his villain, like his arch nemesis, was Amanda Waller, mm. and it was also my love triangle <laughs> between the two of them. Because uh, Amanda Warner wanted to get on that bone. <laughs> oh, she wanted to get on that bone train. But unfortunately, Director Bone had no skin in that game. Oh, uh, yikes! Guys, you didn't find pa- that humorous. I said, pa- "Oh, yikes!" Pa- no, we already laughed at your joke. Now you're just you're digging too deep. Uh, Paul, d- yours? Because you didn't give your. Uh, no cabinet, cabinet slabs. You know they always seem to be like this mad scientist that we're trying to do good, but ultimately we're doing evil. <laughs> you know, so I'll miss them, but we're getting checkmate again. So uh, otherwise, it would have been checkmate. I I will say this is probably, and we haven't read a lot, but like the version of checkmate that I'm most interested in. Really. I, see, I like Mr. Terrific. I like, uh, what's her name? The one from OMAC and dated Batman, Sasha. Uh, Sasha Bordeaux. Bordeaux, yep. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I respect, like, Checkmate as that kind of, like, counterintelligence agency in that version of the DCU. But I think I like them coming back as, like, that resistance now that Leviathan's been set up. I kind of dig it. I would read more Brian Michael Bendis, Superman, Lois Lane books. Like, I would read action comics. And even when, Paul, when you were picking up when he started taking over Superman, we read a... We read a... Couple issues. We read a trade. But Superman and Lois weren't ever together. We read a couple issues. issues. Yeah. And then... Like, I was just scrolling through Action Comics to find the Leviathan issue to see if it was more than just one issue. And then I saw that he did a bunch of it with John Romita Jr. And I was like, ooh, no thank you. I Maybe I won't jump on that. But do you know Becky Cloonan's writing Action Comics right now? Ooh. No, didn't know that. Pretty fun. Not just the yeah. backups. I don't think so. I think she's the, oh, wow. the writer on it. Might be something to check out. Yeah. 
Actually, there's this last issue. There's three different writers and two different artists mm-hmm. on it. Sounds like a backup issue kind of situation then. But you know what isn't a backup is us recording this episode, and I get no segue. <laughs> like and review like- us, email us, you know the stuff. Guys, if you're listening, hey, thank you for that. Uh, we're just twelve, 12 years. years. We're just three friends that sit around talking about comic books and other nerd shit and Buffalo-based beers. So, thanks for listening to all that. And, hey, you know what? Go visit Buffalo. Like, they have, like, a blossoming craft beer scene. Like, write and review us. Check us out. We're on all of the social media stuff. Bag and board. Um, guys, we just like doing this. It's been 12 years of just talking about stuff that we love. And I don't like to look at the numbers, but when I do, I'm like, oh, people are downloading and they're listening. So, hey, if you're this far in, because I know on podcasts I listen to, like, we start doing all this stuff, like, nobody listens to it. But if you're that person, hey, thank you. Come to Orlando. I'll buy you a beer. 